Welcome to another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church. We're going to be having a look at growing in Christ and what it means to draw from the wellspring. And uh, turn on my little buzzer here. There we go. All right. So I'm going to start out tonight. We're just going to pray and just ask God to bless his word. And uh, we're just going to release whatever God's going to do in the spirit tonight. Father God, we just come before you now and we offer our hearts to you and ask, Lord God, that as we prepare ourselves to receive your word, that, Father, you will put in our hearts, Lord God, that will grow up and produce fruit, Lord. God, as we learn how to draw from your wellspring. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All righty. Well, we're going to read from Colossians. This is our main text today, so this is how we're going to be drawing from this. So uh, Colossians 2, 6 and 7. And now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Savior, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth which you were taught and you will owe with thankfulness. So this is, this is our main scripture today. And we're going we're gonna to pull something out of this. And it starts with being born again. It starts with salvation. It starts with making a commitment to Christ Jesus and saying, Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. That's where it starts. But that's not where it ends. Salvation is not a moment that happens in time. But our Christian lives are ones that continue salvation as we continue to grow in Christ and live in Christ. And so uh, we need not only to accept his lordship, but we then need to start walking out that life in Christ Jesus. So growing strong in Christ is about spiritual formation. It's about us being deciding how to live out this new God kind of life, this life of the Spirit that is now born inside of us. How do we live that everyday life? And that's what spiritual formation is, is that we learn to grow, to live out of our spirit and not just out of our flesh, not just out of the natural world, but how do we draw How do we draw from the strength that God provides through the power of his spirit? And there are two key elements that we can find in how to do this from this passage. The first one is let your roots grow down deep. Now that speaks about uh, the tree. It's a picture of a tree down roots really, really deep. And when a tree sends down roots deep, what it does is it's looking for moisture. It's looking for water. And that water, when it finds it, it will begin to draw the nutrients from the soil through that water and draw it up. And that's the picture that, uh, that Paul is using of drawing up nourishment. And that's what we need to do. But then he goes on and he says, uh, let your lives be built on him. So there's a nurture aspect of Christ and there's a building aspect of growing in Christ. And we're going to be focusing on the nurture this evening because we just don't have time to do all of it, unfortunately. So we can do that maybe another time. So we're just going to have a look at drawing on Christ, that nurturing, how we put down our roots into Christ and suck up all that we can from him. John, 37, or John 7, 37 to 39 says this, On the last day, the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowd, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me, and anyone who lives in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. 
but the Spirit had not yet been given because it had not yet entered into his glory. So Jesus talks about a river, talks about living. And wherever we see that living water in the Scripture, it always talks about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is living water. And you'll find that in in all things they used to do in the Old Testament, there was living water, there was running water, and, and that's always talking about the Holy Spirit. So what we need to do is we need to actually put down our roots into the... We can draw from the Holy Spirit. We can draw nourishment for this growing in Christ, this Christian life, through the... We can drink from the Spirit because we have been born again. We've been born again. The Spirit of God now lives inside of us. And because the Spirit lives inside of us, there is a wellspring of living water that's inside that we can draw on for every nourishment that we need, every good thing that can draw it from Jesus Christ. Until we're satisfied. You know, we can drink as much of the Holy Spirit as we want. We can drink until we're full. We can drink until we can't drink anymore. We can drink until we get drunk. Because when we drink of the Holy Spirit, nothing bad happens. All right? You know, if we drink of what the will, all right, you can drink and you can get sick. All right? You can eat as much as you like and you become a glutton. Right? As much as you like and you will poison yourself. But when you drink of the Holy Spirit, when you get nourished from God, you can take as much as you want. There are no limits upon the Holy Spirit and no limits upon how much you can draw from and how much you can drink. Drink until you are filled. Drink until you are fully satisfied. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, filled means to be completely filled. Not just, mm, I'm now satisfied, but totally, utterly filled. Nothing left. There's no more air left in the glass. This is a, this is a glass half empty. All right, there is there's still more to be filled. And what he's saying is be filled with the Holy Spirit so there is nothing left to be filled. And you, you can drink as much as you need. As children of God... Heavenly Father reserves the right to meet every single one of our needs according to Christ's riches. What, what father? I'm a father. I've got three kids. Where are they gone? <laughs> There's only one of them now. Oh, there they are over in the corner. <laughs> Good father. Um, <laughs> so I, got, you know, I reserve the right as a father... To make sure that my kids are clothed, to make sure that my kids are fed, to make sure that my kids have a roof over their head and they have a bed to sleep in at night. I reserve that right. I don't leave that up to somebody else. I don't leave them to their own devices. I don't say to you, not yet anyway, go out and get a job and earn your own money. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so... They come to me when they need something. They come to me when they want money. All right? And it's my privilege, joy, to be able to supply their needs. And our Heavenly Father reserves that same right to meet all of our needs. Not just some, all of our needs. You know, when God created Adam and Eve, and he was with them in the garden, he created a place for them. They didn't have any wants. 
It didn't have any needs because all was supplied. It was only when sin entered into humanity that we became acutely aware of our needs. And in fact, the relationship that we used to draw from God, remember uh, God used to walk with Adam in the garden, he used to meet them in the cool of the day, and they used to walk together and used to have a chat. And, and anything that Adam needed, he used to draw it directly from the Father, and the Father used to give it to him. The ship was broken and they were cast out of the garden. Adam couldn't do that anymore. He found out that now he has to go and till the ground. With brow, he has to meet his own needs. And so that sin, as it entered into humanity, broke that relationship between God and man so that man had to find some other way to find his needs to be met because God wasn't meeting them directly like he used to. That was a result of the fall. There's a... Back in the 1940s, wrote a paper, and his name is called Abraham Maslow. And he wrote, he wrote on the hierarchy of human needs. And, uh, and this is what, um, what he came up with. So this is Maslow's hierarchy of needs. At the bottom, you have psychological, oh, sorry, physiological needs. Right? Physiological needs are the needs of our body. We need food, we need drink. Right? There are basic things that we need for our body to continue to... And these are, the, these are the most greatest needs that humanity has. Because if we don't eat, we, if we don't drink, we die. So... We have a greatest need. Then there's another need, a need for safety. We need to feel safe. We need to feel secure. And then he found that we also, as human beings, have a need to love and to belong. And then there is a need for esteem. And this word to, us, uh, to, to have esteem has two aspects. One is that we have a need to have self-esteem. We have a need to we are. We have a need to feel significant. And we need to see that in ourselves. But we also have a need for other people to see us as significant. So there's, a, there's an aspect there of, of, of significance. And then there is another need, which is self-actualization. Later on, Abraham Maslow changed, uh, revised his theory, and actualization became self-transcendence. In other words, it means that you go beyond yourself. You go beyond your basic that need to be met in me and you now begin to transcend yourself and begin to meet the needs of others. And that is a need as well. Self-actualization. Uh, he says the self only finds its actualization in giving itself to some higher goal outside of oneself in altruism. That's what he says about that top one there, self-actualization. Now all the ones below that horizontal line are called deficiency needs. And what happens with deficiency needs is that if a human being finds that they have a need in any one of these areas, esteem, belonging, safety, or they have need for food, if any of those is lacking, then they start to feel anxious. And they start to get worried. And their whole self starts to spiral down because these needs are not being met. And so they start to get under stress. That's what happens. Now, Abraham Maslow said that once all of these, these bottom four are met, that frees a person then to transcend self and begin to look out for the needs of others. He called that spiritual. But this is what the Lord God says. He says, I will put my spirit in those people. And when I put my spirit in those people, then it will be lifted up. 
And then they'll start to meet the needs of other people. You see, God works in the other way around to the way that we do as human beings. You see, human beings, we say, what are my needs that need to be met? What can I do to meet my needs? What can I do to help, you know, make sure that I'm fed and I've got comfort and I've got all these things around me? God says, look, I'm going to do it the other way around. I'm going to put my sim and they're going to transcend their own needs and self. And they're going to grow not only in those things, but God says, I reserve the right as a heavenly father, as a good father, to meet all of your needs in Christ Jesus. And I will put my spirit in you so that you can rise above simply selfish living and begin to serve the needs of other people. See, when we learn how to draw nourishment that comes from the Spirit. All these other needs get met because they're all available to us in Christ Jesus. We don't need to find other places to seek them out because God is ready and willing to meet our needs, every single one of them. And when to draw upon the Holy Spirit and my basic needs are being met by God and God alone. And I reach that place of self-actualization. That place of self-actualization is when I become the real me. When I become the person that God has created me to be. When I'm beginning through him to fulfill the purpose and the plan that he has on my life. That's what that means. But it only comes because of upon the Holy Spirit. I begin, if you like, I put my roots down into Christ and I begin to draw the nourishment up. From this, all those needs that I have, I get them legitimately through Christ Jesus, not illegitimately through other things. But the problem is, of course, our broken humanity, our sinfulness, our sinful selves, is always looking to find these basic needs to be met in something or someone else other than the Father. And when we do that, it is illegitimate. We find a way to get up illegitimately, and that's when problems start. Jeremiah 2. Where do you go? Here we go. Jeremiah 2.13 says, For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. This is the nation of Israel. Israel were God's chosen people. Israel were the ones God made the covenant promises with, the one who he gave the law with. And says, if you do all these things, I will meet all of your needs. Yeah, thank you, Lord. But Israel decided to walk away from God and begin to dig the source of their own needs through idolatry and finding other gods to meet their needs and other things to meet their needs instead of going to the source who was God himself, the very covenant God. They came into a relationship with them. Jeremiah says, your cisterns that you are digging are cracked. They're broken. They can't hold water. They're not going to sustain you. You're not going to be able to draw your nourishment from these things because they cannot hold water. That's what he's saying. So where are we cracked cisterns from? What do we use? What do we look upon? What do we want to get our needs met? What systems are we digging? 
instead of legitimately going to a heavenly father and drawing upon the provision that is ours in the Holy Spirit, what do we rely upon? Those hierarchy of needs. There's a need for belonging and a need for safety, a need for esteem. Are we looking for somewhere else for those needs to be met? Or are we looking to Jesus to meet those needs? Do we hide ourselves from others so that we don't get hurt? Safety. Do we seek safety in something else? Do we wear masks that we display to the outside world so that nobody sees our true self? Do we hide behind those things because of our hurt and our pain? Because we don't want to let other people in. Because it's not safe. Are you the joker? Always having a laugh? Always making light of everything when really inside you're cracked and in pain? And do you use those jokes to try and deflect getting involved in real relationships that might actually do you some good? Or are you the hard Aussie? Tough, rough, ready, nothing hurts you, never cry. It's broken. It's broken. God never intended you to be that way. Or maybe you're the spiritually altogether person. person who, whenever you ask them how they are, you know, out comes the authorised version. And they're always perfect. And they're always okay, which makes you wonder why they're in your office asking for counselling. But they're always okay, and they're always perfect. Because you can hide behind a spirituality too. Spirituality can be a mask to insulate you from your reality. Insulate you from the fact that you have a cracked cistern. And you're not from the strength that comes from Christ. Or maybe you have loving and belonging. Are you finding that satisfaction in relationship after relationship? Is it sex or pornography that you're drawing from to get your needs met instead of drawing from the well? Or maybe you've got a need for self-esteem and you get that from your job title or from your account. You know, that people, you know, uh, write you up in the paper. And that's what you draw your self-esteem from. Whereas really we should be drawing our esteem from being connected to Christ and belonging to him. Without the need of accolades of men. You know, Jesus was tempted in all five areas of this hierarchy of needs. All five of them. In, uh, in Matthew 4, verses 3 to 10. Jesus goes into the wilderness straight after his baptism. The tempter came to him and he said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So there was a temptation. Satan came and tempted Jesus. What is the first thing that he begins to tell? The hierarchy of needs. If... You are the son of God. Well, that was a question aimed right at his sense of belonging. Who do you belong to? God? Are you the son of God or are you not the son of God? If you are, 
prove it. Turn these stones to... Jesus had been fasting for 40 days. He had a legitimate need. And that was one of the things used to tempt him. All right? Jesus was hungry. And boy, did that sound tempting. But Jesus wasn't broken. Jesus knew how to draw from the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus drew from the strength that came through the presence of the Holy Spirit in him and drew from his heavenly Father and answered Satan. The next temptation that Jesus had took him to the holy city and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, and throw yourself down. Once again, if an attack on his belonging and a need to know who he belonged to. But also throw yourself down. Safety. If you throw yourself, surely, surely if you're the son of God, then he will. A need for safety. And of course, what was Jesus' response? Well, Jesus just drew from the well. He drew from the fact that he knew who he was. He drew from the fact that, yes, that is what God would do, but he didn't need to tempt God to do that because he doesn't, or Satan, to come and tempt him to do that. He just got it from God directly. He didn't need to prove to God happen. He didn't need to prove to himself that it was going to happen because he was drawing from the well. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said. Down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord and serve him only. All the kingdoms of the world esteem. They will bow down and worship you. They will honor you. They will magnify you. They will give you the worship that's rightfully yours as the Son of God because I give it to you. An attack on for esteem. And then, of course, what he tries to do is divert the course Jesus is drawing. You see, there's a river that runs out of Jesus, and, what, and that river comes from God. And what Satan tried to do was divert the course of that river, so he began to draw from him instead. He said, worship me. That's self-transcendence. Because worship is self-transcendence. When we worship God, we don't worship self. We worship him who's higher than us. We worship the one who's worthy to be worshipped. It is transcending all that we are. And whatever situation we're in, we begin to worship God for God alone, just because he is to be worshipped. That's self-transcendence. And that was under attack. Right here. Right here. You see, Satan attacks us in the realm of our needs. This is the, this is the area that Satan attacks us in, is in the area of our needs. But you know, if we learn to draw from the wellspring, if we learn to draw to have all of our needs met in Christ Jesus, our need for safety our need for belonging, our love, our esteem, and our ability to transcend ourselves. If we draw all of that 
from our Heavenly Father through the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us, then we actually shut the doors down that Satan... Because Satan can't attack us if we have none of those needs because we're not drawing from those things. We're not drawing from the things that are under his control. We're not drawing from the things of the world of whom he is the God of. But we're drawing from our Heavenly Father, whom Satan has nothing in. John and verse 30 says, I will not, this is Jesus speaking, he says, I will not speak much more with you for the world is coming and he has nothing in me. He has nothing in me. So there was no point of Jesus, there was no chink in his armor, there was nothing at all in Jesus that Satan could get his hand on because Jesus never drew from the world. He only ever drew from his heavenly father. And that's what happens when we do the same. As we begin to learn how to draw from the Heavenly Father, we begin to share the avenues that Satan attacks us from in a personal way. Because there's nothing in our heart. There's no hooks. There's no crags there that he can hold on to. Because it doesn't belong to him. It doesn't belong to him. It belongs to the Father. And we draw from the Holy Spirit. See, to draw your nourishment from Christ... To have all of your needs in him by drawing from the wellspring of life, which is the Holy Spirit living inside of you, is to walk by the Spirit. That's how it is. That's what it is. To be able to draw from the wellspring is to walk according to the Spirit. Galatians says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Why? Because my desires now are being legitimately met in God. That's what it means to walk by the Spirit. I draw all of my strength, I draw all of my nourishment, all my needs are met in Christ. And it closes down the door for the enemy to kind of attack me on that personal level. Walk by the Spirit and we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. You know, what are we doing anyway? Try to get our needs met illegitimately. You know, if, you know, uh, so I have a need for, for something here and I go and find drugs or find alcohol, I find something that I can draw some kind of temporary measure from. Is it not in those areas of our base needs and desires that Satan attacks us in? Of course it is. That's what he latches onto. Because that's the area that belongs in his realm, in his domain. But God has taught us that through the Spirit, if we draw from Christ Jesus, then we won't do that. So the Holy Spirit is working on us to transform our affections. Those things that we love, the things of the world, you know, those things that we, when we came to Christ, we formed in anything we could find. Any way we could find Legitimately or illegitimately, it matters so long as our needs were met. And we draw them from a variety of different sources. But the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is that he takes us on all of these areas and he begins to draw, transform our affections from the world to Christ Jesus. So that we begin to turn away from the things of the world and look to Christ as our source. And that's how we grow. That's how we grow. Form spiritual life that draws from Jesus.
Because Christ is all-sufficient. He is all-sufficient. Everything that I need can be found in Jesus Christ. Everything. I don't need to go to the world to find it. And the incredible thing is, is that God church as a legitimate source for me to find that human touch and to find those relationships God says is good. Remember, it was also God's idea to bring family. It was also God's idea for the church. These are legitimate areas for you to have your needs met. They're provided for you by the Heavenly Father. All other things we draw from him. So there are three things which are transformative catalysts in forming our spirituality and learning how to draw from the Holy Spirit, learning how to draw from Christ. There are three really basic areas that we can all do. We can go home, we can do them tonight. In fact, we're going to do a bit in a minute. All right? We can all do these things which are going to help transform and speed up that transformation process. And they're these. The first one, in no particular order, is prayer. Prayer helps us to encounter our Heavenly Father. And in that encounter, we are transformed. We can pray. Jesus taught us how to pray. The other one is devotional reading. So in devotional reading, this is different from studying the Word. This is different from, uh, you know, going to Bible college and learning how to exegete the text and stuff like that. What I mean by devotional reading is that we open up the Word of God and we draw from the Word of God for our nourishment. As Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word from the mouth of the Father. And the Word of God, the Bible, is his word to us. It's been given to us for our nourishment. And so a devotional reading is where we sit down and we open up the Word of God and we say, Holy Spirit, I want to draw on you right now. As I read the Word of God, will you make it come alive to me? Show me the things that I need to do. Give me revelation from you. Transform me by your Word. So we learn how to draw, and we do that by faith. We draw by, and the same thing in prayer. As we pray to God, you know, we don't just sort of pray a rote prayer, our Father who art in heaven, la-di-da-di-da. We do it from the Spirit, and we draw from the Spirit in prayer, and we pour out our heart towards God, and we receive from God in prayer, and we can pray with our understanding, and we can have heavenly language. We can pray in the Spirit. Again, every time we pray in the Spirit, what does the Word say we're doing? It feeds, it nourishes us, it edifies us when we do it. So when we pray in tongues, we are drawing. We're sucking up from God and saying, all that goodness. Through prayer. So we learn as we do it, we engage our faith and we draw from the Holy Spirit in each one of these devotions. And the one a little bit of extra time on is worship. We get trent in worship, not because we sing songs, but because we start to draw from the nourishment that's available to us in Jesus Christ through our worship. Remember Maslow's highest order of need? Self-actualization or self-transcendence. It was that area which he duality. In worship, when we reach that moment in worship where we are fully devoted to God, we've all reached that point. 
sometimes more often than others. But, you know, there's, there's a point in time where we begin to praise and we begin to worship and then just, I don't know, it just, we just enter into another gear. You know, we just suddenly find that everything else just falls away. And the only thing that is before us is adoring Christ Jesus and loving on a heavenly Father. And it is where we become fully devoted. It's in that moment that we become fully who we were created to be. Because we transcend ourselves and transcend our needs and we begin to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. In that moment, we are fully alive. In that moment, we are fully ourselves more than we've ever been before. And we can do that and anywhere we can. The Westminster Catechism, the what? For those of you who have ever read any kind of Reformed theology, the Westminster Catechism was, how, it was one of the things they used to use to train uh, priests and people like that. And what it was is they just go through a whole list of questions and you learn the answers. Right? It was one of the ways in which before people were able to read, that's how they taught doctrine. Question, response. Question, response. That's what a catechism is. The very first thing in the Westminster Catechism starts out with a question, what is the chief aim of man? The response is man's chief end is God and enjoy him forever. Worship. The chief end of man is to glorify God. It's to worship. Not to speak in tongues. Not to give you tithes and offerings. Not even to be a minister. The chief end of man and woman is to glorify God, is to be a worshipper. To be a worshipper in our heavenly Father. And enjoy him forever. Not just here, not just now, forever. You see, in eternity, we live in a place of perfect worship. You know, when... We read in Revelation that the countless hosts, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. Worship is in heaven continually, continually. And as we come before Christ in eternity, our worship perfectly for eternity. So when we worship, we fully realize eternal self. Not just ourself here with our limitations of our body, but we actually realize our eternal self when we begin to worship our God. Why doesn't the band come back? That was good timing, wasn't it? There's a first. So what I want to do now is you want to enter into a time of ministry because it's great to hear the word of God but we believe that when we preach the word of God God acts and so we want to open up a time of ministry, a time where we can actually, right now, draw from that wellspring. Now, I've been talking about needs being met. 
And the greatest need that we have is the need to meet our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. That is beyond all other needs that we have. Because as I said right at the very beginning, it starts salvation. It starts by being born again. Now you may come to church because church meets your needs. You may have been feeling lonely and you found a place to come here. And you met some cool people. And you enjoy the fellowship that we have. And that's good. Because that's what God intended. But enjoying the fellowship get from church is not the same as being born again. It is not the same as learning how to draw from the well. In fact, it's not the same. Being in church is not the same as having the wellspring of life living on the inside of you, which you can draw from continually. Rather than coming to church and drawing from the fellowship, drawing from the relationships that you might create here, or whatever need it is that you're in church, if you haven't learned how to draw from that wellspring, then you are misplaced in your drawing, that even though you enjoy the fellowship here, it is nonetheless a broken system that cannot hold water. Unless you learn how to draw that need for belonging, that need for love, that need for significance from Christ himself. And so I want to ask, with everybody's eyes closed, because this isn't about anybody else. If you're not sure that Jesus Christ is your Savior, if you're not sure you have asked him into your life and that you are born again, that means that you know that, that you know that wellspring of living water is bubbling up from the inside of you and you can draw upon that. If you aren't absolutely assured that that is the case, and you want to accept Christ as your Savior, if you want the Holy Spirit to come and make His home inside of you, I want it to me now with everybody else's eye closed. Because this is the invitation. The invitation is that you too can have a wellspring of life inside of you that springs up to eternal life. That's the promise. are going to open up the altar here so that we can do a bit of ministry time. So I want everybody to stand. We're going to ask Father God tonight, which are the broken cisterns that we have dug for ourselves? Does He want Him tonight? What area of our life are we drawing from something other than the Holy Spirit? What area of our life are we beginning to draw significance or safety or belonging from something else other than our Heavenly Father? And we're going to ask Him. Father God, which cistern do you want us to surrender to you? 
begin to draw in that area of my life. Just one, just one area of where we are drawing from something other than God. So I want you to close your eyes here. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Father God, what broken down do you want me to surrender to you tonight? Now with your eyes closed, I want you to see a well, a cistern. And I want you to go up to that well. And on that well, there is a name. And the name of is the cistern that you've dug for yourself. That God wants you to surrender to him over to him tonight. Can you see it? Can you see the name? Do you know what it is? Now what I'm going to do is we're going to ask the Holy Spirit. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come and He's going to give you which you can pull that well down with. And you're going to pull the stones of that well into the hole and you're going to block it up. So Holy Spirit, and pray this Holy Spirit give me a tool to pull down this well in Jesus name now I want you to take what he's given you and I want you to bring that well down I want you to start blocking up that cistern because that cistern holds no water for you that cistern isn't going to do you any good whatever it is doesn't matter what it is doesn't matter what tool he's given you. Just pull it down. Now as you've done that, what I want you to do is by faith, I now want you to draw from the wellspring of life that is bubbling up from inside of you. I want you right now by faith to begin to draw strength from the Holy Spirit in that area which you have just blocked up. You need to draw from that well anymore because God is giving you another place to draw from and that place is the Holy Spirit and it is bubbling up inside of you right now. Draw by faith. Draw by faith. And I want you to take a hold of that water that is bubbling up and I want you to drink. I want you to drink it deeply. Drink as much as you need. As much as you need to fill your need. We do it. This is how we draw by faith. Some of you had a scripture come to your mind as we've been praying and doing this. And that's a tool for you. It may be a scripture that's related to what you've been doing or where you've been drawing from that answers where you need to draw. And I want you to take that and you can use that scripture as you begin to meditate on that scripture. You draw from it. It's like when we chew on a piece of tough meat 
we chew and we chew and we chew and as we chew we begin to draw out we begin to draw all the nourishment out and that's what we do when we meditate upon a scripture we draw from the wellspring of that scripture the word of God we draw from it we need to learn how to do this next time you are tempted to unstop that well start drawing from the Holy Spirit and you'll find your need begets met by Him in a legitimate way and you will get stronger and the enemy will have no hold in you in that area anymore because you are free because Christ has set you free because the power of the Holy Spirit is there for you in need And you can draw from him every time and any time you need to. Stay tuned for another exciting podcast brought to you by Bayside Christian Church.